Thank you, Jeff, for those kind words. And it's wonderful to be here. I haven't been here since 2016. And uh, time flies, doesn't it? That's what the guy said when he threw his clock out the window. Okay, time flies. It moves pretty quickly. It's wonderful to be here with Jeff and Wendy and other friends. I've seen so many, Peter and Leslie, for instance. Nice to be with them as well. And others. Nice to see Dave Henderson again. I was saying, Dave, you're getting shorter. I can see over your head. And uh, I never used to be able to see over his head. And uh, thanks for having us. We've had a wonderful time. And thanks to our hosts who've looked after us. Uh, I've got to get their names right. You know, Segan and it's um, Charlene. Thank you so much for taking care of us and looking after us. We appreciate them. We appreciate people's kindness and goodness. And to see so many faces we haven't seen before. Uh, the, uh, our history with this church goes back, <laughs> as they say, donkey's years. I don't know why they use the word donkey's years. Uh, I often think of the phrases I use because young people don't understand them. When I'm preaching, they, I can see them looking at each other and say, what did he say? Because they're very uneducated today. I don't, know why they, I don't know what they teach them in school anymore. You say, since Pa fell out the cradle. They've got no idea what you're talking about. Who's Pa and what's a cradle? Okay, so, but anyway, those are the expressions we kind of grew up with. Now, I like the theme of wide open spaces, and you can interpret that in so many ways. And Hans was going to make sure that my stuff was on the screen and on the computer, and he obviously handed it over to someone else, and they were going to make sure that it goes up on the screen. And so I'm waiting for them to make sure that it goes up on the screen, and it'll, it, I beg your pardon? No, I don't click. They put the first slide up, don't you? Do you tell me what you want me to do. Who's working it? Do you want me to click? Thank you. <laughs> it's quite simple. Click, idiot. That, I understand that kind of language. Okay. There we are. Made for more. Do you believe you're made for more? I believe we're made for more. And um, that's a fantastic verse in the book of Revelation. Uh, God sets before us an open door for an effective work. And many people think it's not just uh, uh, an, an effective work. They think it's for an active work. Activity is not enough. It's not good enough being active. You need to be effective. Amen? So that's an important thing to me. And what I want to speak to you about today is, is the subject of salt and light. Because so many of us are looking for the next big thing. Wide open spaces. I'm looking for a big thing. We miss the simple thing, the ordinary thing, the everyday thing. The everyday thing that can make a difference, that can open up wide open spaces in people's lives and can make a huge, huge, huge difference. So I'm going to read to you from Matthew's gospel, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, it wasn't one sermon. Matthew correlated all the information and put it together, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And this is what Jesus says. And I want you to notice, this is, not what, this is not what Paul says. This is not what Matthew says. This is not what Buddha says. This is not what Oprah Winfrey says. This is not what Donald Trump says. This is what Jesus said. I think it's important. To, this is what Jesus said. I like the fact that Jesus said he was the bread of life. Amen. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What an incredible thing. 
Let your light shine so others may see it. We live in a world, and we, we, we kind of come from a, a Christian background. We do is don't let people know what you're doing. Be humble. This is let people know what you're doing. Can I get an amen? Let people see. And if you're very secure in yourself, it's not about you and me. Not so that you and I can get a slap on the back, but that they can see your good deeds and direct glory to God who is in heaven. That's the whole purpose of the good works we do. So it's important to understand that we need to be living out there doing good stuff because good deeds leads to goodwill, which opens the door for the good news. That's what it says in this portion. Good deeds, goodwill, uh, the good news which comes to people. And so this is what Jesus says to us. And he, oh, I don't know where that came from. I'll just move on to the next portion of scripture. Uh, how did that get there? Amazing. So Jesus says that we, that snuck in there, okay? It's the third Sunday of Lent, by the way, not the first. And so we see here from this that Jesus says, you are salt and light. Just simple. Two things. Salt and light. Amen. So we keep it simple. And then I want to read to you from Eugene Peterson's version. I saw you had the message version up on the Bible, on the screen there. This is, this is wonderful. Eugene Peterson says, Jesus puts it like this. He says, let me tell you why you are here. Don't you like that? So many Christians are waiting for the next guru to come to town so they can get a word. I need a word. I need a prophecy. I need a word from God. I'm going to give you a word from God. Let me tell you why you are here. Here's the word from God right here in God's word. He's telling us why we actually are here. He says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that a fantastic way of putting it? Live open house. Be generous with your lives. Generosity is not just about money. Generosity is about opening up our lives, living open house, allowing people in, being generous with our time, being generous with our compliments, being generous with our faces. Smile. For some people, that's like sacrificial. That's like sacrificial giving. Hello. No, no. We're meant to be generous with our lives in every, in every way, generous with our words. Not like Facebook. That's fake. But generous with our words, amen. Speaking and being generous in every area of our life. Because when we are open us, that prompts people. You'll see how it works. That prompts people to open up with God. There we go again. Good works, goodwill, good news. And people begin to open up with God. And I love, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it. He says that we are here to be God's flavor and God's color. And I want you to notice that color and flavor have a you in them. So when you copy from the Good News Bible and put it up on the screen, make a correction, put a you in there, okay? 
because Americans cannot spell. Sorry, but Americans cannot spell. We speak English in this country. I need an amen out there. And we will continue to speak English and spell like English-speaking people. Amen. So God tells us that, Jesus tells us that we are God's flavor and we are God's color. Isn't that fantastic? Flavor. I love, you can see I like flavor. I have evidence to prove that I like flavor. Amen. It's not just something that I say. I like good food. I like nice food. And, uh, you know, you, you won't find me working in a health shop. I, I, I very often go into health shops and I find the people who work there don't smile. <laughs> but I like flavor. I like, I mean, we live here in Cape Town. Cape Malay curry. I mean, we're talking flavor, garam masala, cumin. <laughs> wow, man. And you go to these, these, these morning markets, man. We've got one at where we live, out there on the other side of the Boudoir's Curtain. We've got this family, they come there with, and they've got the best curry and samosas you can imagine. I don't even make it home with the samosas. I cannot make it home with the samosas, as you can see. And so the point is, you need flavor. I mean, why would you want to eat British food? <laughs> it's just bland, I'm bland, tasteless, cook the life out of it, and horrible. Food with flavor. And you and I are meant to be flavor. Not miserable. Not, Christians can be so miserable. No. Critical. I find, I find it easier, nicer, talking to and connecting with people who don't go to church, who haven't got a facade, who, say, who, who swear, till they find out who you are. <laughs> You know, Christians, will, they, they want to swear, but they know who you are. You understand what I'm talking about? So, so, so they kind of lack the flavor. And, and you like people with flavor who just, who just make your life taste that much better. And you and I, you see, it's not the big things. You and I can make people's lives taste better. Can I get an amen? That's what we do. And color, color. I mean, imagine living in a beige world, beige. 70s. When, 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 remember when TV first came out? Come on, those of you old enough know exactly what, how we used to pray. You know, as Pentecostal Christians, we were so religious, we prayed against TV. <laughs> we used to pray, don't God deliver us, save our nation from this evil thing. We, I mean, when they get TV, you know, the devil's gonna come into our homes. Now I've got three devils in my house, one in the lounge. <laughs> He's all over the place, you see. But we were like against TV. But I remember when we got our first TV, we weren't very wealthy. It was a, come on, a blau pork. There you go. Some of you had a blau pork, and it was black and white. And I remember when we, you, you, it only came on at about five or six in the afternoon, remember? And, you, and your kids were so excited, Patricia would get them ready, and they would be bathed, and she would comb their hair. You know, she's got this thing about combing your hair before you go to bed. Even my grandson, he's 13, he comes and spends the night and he, she, he says, come on, Danny, come here. Nana wants to come here. Nana, why do you want to brush my hair before I go to bed? Because we've got to brush the dust of the day out of your hair, Danny. <laughs> before you dirty my pillowcase. And, uh, and my kids would be there all slick back in their little gown sitting in front waiting for ski boy or something. I can't remember what the programs were. And then we would put them to bed and we would sit there through D-stem. <laughs> and the flag... And the test pattern, because, you know, we didn't have, I mean, there wasn't much to watch, amen. 
and most of the stuff was dubbed like he went that way. <laughs> but anyway, we had our TV, it was black and white, Blaupong TV. And I remember moving to Polokwane in those days, and there's a young businessman we led to the Lord, and um, he came into our house and he said to me in Afrikaans, his name was, his name was Christian. Sorry, Lodewey Christian Koch van Skalkwijk. I mean, he's an Afrikaner. He's got his whole family's names all there, okay? His lineage is, you don't have to say beget, beget. It's all in his name. And um, he looks at my TV and he says to me in Afrikaans, you know, Donovan, your TV's black and white. I said, I don't know. He said, but the world's not black and white. The world's color. I say, Lodewey, my pocket, that's black and white. Do you understand? <laughs> and an hour later, a truck arrives because he owned a business, was a wealthy young businessman. And this truck arrives, and guys come in. They don't ask me anything, so they just walk in. They take my black and white blapunk that I paid 240 rand for. And they pick it up, and they take it, and they bring in, remember that one? The Sony Trinitron. I mean, in that little brown little cabinet, and my kids went, wow. You know the difference from black and white to color? is immense. Let's stop being beige, colorless, flavorless Christians. We're meant to light up the world. We're meant to light up company. We're meant to light up a community. We're here to make a difference, not to try and be flamboyant, but to show that we are God's flavor and God's color on the planet. Can I get an amen? I think this is a big deal. It's living a wider life. It's living in wide open spaces and I think it's important for us. So I want to say to you, go mad. Stop being so respectable. Go mad. And mad stands for make a difference. Live in wide open spaces. Make a difference. And it's important for me that we learn how to make a difference. You see, we've got all these people. We've got these people in churches, you know, like Hans. You know, I, was, I said to Patricia, I always wondered where I met Hans before. Then I realized I met him watching that movie, Nacho Libre. That's where I saw him. <laughs> but you know, we've got the, got the younger generation. They get up and it's all fear and flum and excitement. We're going to change the world. And have, you, have you noticed? Calm down. You're not going to change the world. We're not going to change the world. The world's too big to change, but we can change our world. I might not be able to change the world, but I can make a difference. And you and I can make a difference. We're living, we, we, we need to open up the spaces where we live. We need to bring light and color. We need to make people see that we can make a difference. And when we're there, it is a difference. J.F. Kennedy, he said this, one person, can, one person can make a difference and everyone should try. You can make a difference standing in a queue. You can make a difference at a petrol station. We met a guy at the petrol station here last night. I filled up my car. Uh, I said, hello. I mentioned his name. He said, he's got a badge on, for goodness sake. He said, hmm, Tata, how do you know my name? I said, someone told me. <laughs> he said, you look like a good Sangoma. I said, I kona mfundisi. I could make a difference. A conversation. A smile. Can I get an amen? amen. You, can, you know, I was, I was in the queue one day. Remember when Steers brought out the, the, the ice cream of the flake? Long ago. 99 cents. 
as to as to say to Patricia, I'll go and buy some bread and milk. <laughs> just to go to the shop, go to Steers, you know. And I'm standing at Steers one day, and there's a lady in Triger Valley. She's got an overall on. She's also having a 99 cent ice cream. And I look at her, and she's like, time to pay. You know that person, eh? that person in there. It's safe in there. Okay, she's, she's, and I said, don't worry, my dear. I'll pay for that. And she goes, Jan. Is that a big deal? Is that a big deal? Stop trying to do the big thing. Just do the thing that's in front of you, that you can see, where you can make a difference. Come on, I need an Amen. You can add color to her life. You can add flavor to her life in the simplest of ways. And I want to say this to you, that a disciple is someone who has moved from being the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. We're meant to be out there, focused out there, making a difference, being color, and being flavor in people's lives, not living in this narrow, confined environment where we express our Christianity with a certain kind of language, raising our hands if we have the energy when we're singing and we're not too miserable and we can at least raise our hands and clap a bit, but not just living in this confined space, but living in wide open spaces out there, in shopping malls, in schools, in business with clients. Come on, every single one of us can make a difference out there being salt and being light. Now, very quickly, and uh, it's very simple. When we talk about being salt, now, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I want you to be salt. We would have said, really? Can't you think of anything more dramatic? Significant? I mean, who wants to be salt? Goodness, I mean, it's free. It's in a sachet. They just put it on the table in the restaurant, you know? Yeah, it's like a throwaway. But to them, it was a complete different understanding when Jesus said to them those many years ago, you need to be salt. They understood salt completely different to the way we understood it. First thing they understood about salt was that salt was precious. Salt was valuable. It was extremely precious. In fact, in those days, people braved seas, sailed on seas around countries, to develop trade routes because spice was so valuable. And salt was valuable. In fact, when you study it, you find that salt was a currency. People traded, countries traded with each other and paid in salt. That was foreign currency. That's how they paid their bills. In fact, if there's an Italian in the house, they'll tell you that the word salt in Italian is the word sale from we, where we get the English word salary. So the word salary actually comes from the word salt. And the reason for that is because you were valued according to salt. You are worth your salt. That is where those expressions come from. Because salt had value. Salt was precious. So when Jesus said to them, you are the salt of the earth. They understood how precious they were, how important that was. That they, they must have understood that in some way they were God's currency. And you and I need to understand we are God's currency. When we are his flavor and his color, people begin to open up. We 
purchase open time with people to receive the good news. Wow, what a difference that makes in my life when I realize that I'm God's currency, that I am valuable to Him. You may be sitting here today, maybe not feeling your value, maybe feeling that you're devalued, undervalued. Maybe things have happened to you in life where you don't feel valued at all. Maybe you feel overlooked. Maybe you feel things have happened to you that have not expressed value in your life. Maybe you've been abused, let down, betrayed. It doesn't matter what it is. And you may feel, I don't have value. I I don't have any currency. No, no. You and I, we are valuable. We're valuable to God. We're valuable to the kingdom. We are God's currency. And people open up and they begin to open up to the good news. Secondly, they understood that salt was pure. What do we mean by that? Well, the Greek people said this. They said that salt is the purest thing on the planet because it's made from the two purest things on the planet, namely light, sorry, namely sea and sun. Salt's made from the sea and the sun. It's the purest thing on the planet. That's what the Greek people said of that time. And let me say this to you. If ever the world needed purity, it's now. Amen? Integrity, purity, when our word can be trusted, when we can be trusted in business, when we can do what we say we will do, when we deliver when we can be counted on, when we can be relied on. Come on, I need some amen. The, the, and, and by the way, Christians should stop pointing fingers and criticizing and running people down. Instead, we should just show a different value system and show that we really are different by living a pure life. Thirdly, uh, salt was used as a preservative. You, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you all know they didn't have refrigerators in that day. Uh, General Electric wasn't around yet, okay? So they didn't have refrigerators. So how did they keep food from going rotten? They preserved it. How? With salt. I said to a young person the other day, I said, do you eat dead meat? They said, absolutely not. I said, what, do you eat live meat? you walk up to a cow in the field and bite it? (laughs) No, of course, we eat dead meat. And the only way to keep it from going rotten is to cover it in salt. And you and I are meant to be God's preservative. We we are here to preserve God's values on the planet. Not by trying to be ostentatious or pointing fingers or being critical, but we are here to just set a different standard and show that we can be counted on as God's representative. We can preserve this world from going absolutely rotten. Absolutely rotten. And then, of course, salt affects the palate. Well, I've already mentioned that, haven't I? I mean, imagine, you know, Jeffrey is just like his dad when it comes to salt. Before he tastes the food, he's putting salt on it. I'm like, Jeff, what are you doing? You haven't even tasted, am I right? Yes, Wendy, thank you. And um, always ask the wife. Never, you know, I said to, said to someone the other day, be, behind every successful man is a very confused mother-in-law. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but, but oh, Jeff, he puts the salt on. Now, food without salt, it, I mean, it's just lacking something. It's, it's, it's it's, it's terrible. But the funny thing is this. You can't eat salt on its own. And you can't eat the food without the salt on its own. But the minute you add the salt to the food, it becomes so palatable. It's so other than the thing you are adding it to. We need to be other than. But when we are added to, we make people's lives 
palatable. Come on, I need an amen. And, and you and I are here to, to give this world a different taste, a different flavor. And lastly, the only way for salt to be useless is to be poured out. So it's easy, it's easy to be a Christian in here. It's easy to be here, sit here, be a Christian, look nice, worship, bump elbows, <laughs> have connection in the chat room, go to our connect group. But this is not where we are meant to be. We're meant to be out of the salt shaker. We're meant to go out into the week. God needs to take our lives and shake them up. Shake the, We need to get out of our Christian comfort zone. We need to learn how to mix with people we don't like. We've all got those people we don't like. I'm frank. There are lots of people I don't like. I mean, there are lots of people who don't like me, so that's fair. <laughs> but you know when you see those people you don't like? Have, have, have you got them? They, they, they're miserable. They're terrible people. Sorry, they just are. And you, you're not meant to like them. You're meant to love them. But you know what I mean when you don't like them. And then you've got time off with your wife and you're going to the shopping mall and you're in Woolworths because that's where women go. <laughs> and then you're hanging around while she's buying something and then you see here they come. It's like your day off for goodness sake. <laughs> you're not geared for this and that. I found myself once hiding behind the clothing. <laughs> and I saw the shop assistant looking at me, and I didn't realize I was in the ladies' lingerie. <laughs> and, she, and I had my head in a, in a G cup or something. <laughs> and I had this lady looking at me. She must have thought, this guy's a perv, for goodness sake. Someone tell him it's not a crash helmet. Okay, so there we go. She, I, I was just, but, but we all have those moments in our lives, don't we? But you know what God says, come on, stop it. I'm going to pour you out. I'm going to get you, to, I'm going to add flavor to that person's life. I'm going to make something. Um, you, you can make a difference in that person. Come on, amen. amen. You and I have to make a decision. We're going to live in a wide open space. We're not going to just live in a salt pot. We're going to be shaken out. Can I get an amen? And we're going to live in a different way. Amen. So it needs to be said quickly. And so what is light? When he said to him, you're light. Wow. He was saying, you're significant. You're significant. Why? Because Jesus said, he was, he said, I'm the light of the world. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and you're light, he is, he is comparing us to him. He's saying, he's saying you're so significant. Everybody wants to be successful. I've got news for you. There's a level beyond success. You know, you start out life and you struggle. Mostly for survival. Then you survive. You can buy bread and milk with a couple of cool drink bottles sold on the side. You know, now that they've got rid of those glass bottles, I, I mean, I can, but Patricia would say to me in those days, come on, some of you remember when we were in the ministry in those days, Patricia would say, I need bread. I said, no worry. I'm going to look for some Coca-Cola bottles somewhere. Take it to the shop and say, can I swap this for some bread, please? And so we go through survival. Then we become successful. And we think we've arrived. Don't be so silly. There's something beyond success. Success is selfish. Success is about me. Success is about me having. But we know what? We're not meant to be just successful. 
We are meant to be significant. Significance comes beyond success because significance looks beyond itself and looks to others. You and I are light, not, not, so, not so we can see. We are light so others can see. And it's so important. So Jesus was saying, you're significant. You do not think of yourself as little, as small, as insignificant. Don't think of yourself as just someone else. Your life, your light is significant because it enables other people to see. So we need to understand that Jesus is saying you're significant. And then he comes to the point where, obviously, without light you can't see. Amen? If you, if you turn the lights out in a room, I mean, it's pitch dark, you can't see. But the minute you put the light on, have you noticed, darkness cannot overcome light. Amen? Now, I, I, I forgot what time I even started, but it doesn't matter. I, can, I mean, I think I'm okay. Now, years ago, we lived in this little suburb called Kenridge, and they wanted to keep it like a little country village, no, no streetlights. You know, no, I suppose you've got places in Constantia the same, you know, no streetlights. And um, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I got up to go to the bathroom. I was 40, long time ago. And normally when you turn 40, you get up to go to the bathroom. That's a sure sign you need to see your urologist. If you're a man and you're 40 and you haven't seen the urologist, stop being a wuss, get out there and see him, okay? Or see it. And if you're that scared, choose a woman. But anyway, be that as it may. So there I was, there I was, two o'clock in the morning, I went to the bathroom, and in those days Cape Town had water so I could flush. And um, I got into bed, 10 minutes later, Patricia says, there's water running. I'm like, woman, it's two, 10 past two. I went to the loo, I flushed. That's what I'm thinking. But I say, it's okay, doll, I just flushed. She says, but that water's, I said, I'll go and have a look. You want to go to sleep? I go to the bathroom. You know, you take this, take that lid off there, clunk, clunk, clunk. It's got this orange ball, you bang, bang, hit the ball like that. Stop it from running. Put the lid back, you go back, you say, I fixed it. 20 past two, she says, I can still hear water running. <laughs> you say, okay, okay. Happy wife, happy night's sleep. You go back to the, you go to the bathroom window, you open the window, I see the whole driveway, it's soaking wet. I come back, I say, it's raining. <laughs> she says, but the weather forecast didn't say it was going to rain. I said, the weather does not listen to the weather forecast like you do. It's raining. I get into bed. About 10 minutes later, I can hear the water. Me. Now, you know when you, a man, men never admit. So now it's about half past two. I, I, I slip out of bed. I go to the bedroom window. I open the bed and I can hear. I can hear water running past my bedroom window. I'm like, this is serious. But you don't say anything. Because you, you don't want to get this... What did I tell you? You just, you just wanna, you just wanna make your way to the, to the, to the front door, and, and so I quickly, I got my vest. I sleep in a vest. And the reason I sleep in a vest is when you, don't, you know, when you don't know where to put your arm, you put it through the, the vest. It, it can rest there like a sling. You see, so, so I sleep in a vest, and I get out of my old rugby shorts used to buy at the hypermarket for those, those like you wash them in that blue stuff, and they got two cords. They, they, they got these cords. They hang. <laughs> They, I, I even brought it with me to sleep in over here, you see. Those are my Heisbrook. 
and I've got this on, and it's winter, it's freezing cold, and now I open the front door, there's a pile of sand outside the front door this high, and the lawn's all churned up, there's water, I think, oh my goodness gracious me. So I tiptoe, it's freezing cold, onto our pavement, but it's not a pavement, it's just grass, and there's no light, and I can see, like, this bubble coming out, the, it's this high, boom, boom, bubbles coming out the ground, yeah, I'm like, and, and I haven't got glasses on, and my name is could see, it's because I could see, but now I'm cross- <laughs> And, 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 I, and I, appro- I, approach, I approach the stuff to see what's going on and I disappear, seriously. I fall into a black hole right over my head, water. This hole was huge. It was, I, I'm gone. I get the fright of my life. I start kicking and, and get, I want to get out. I put my arms out. I grab hold of some terra firma. I, I pull myself up. I hurt my muscles. I'm standing there. I'm grass and twigs and I'm covered in black stuff all over my body and I'm shaking from cold and fright and, and I decide to get back in the house which is the pipe at burst and as I make my way to the front door she's, she decides I better go look for this guy he's been gone I don't know where he's gone and she sees me coming and she bursts out laughing <laughs> and I say to her what are you laughing at I could have been dead You and I are meant to be light so people don't fall in dangerous holes. Can I get an amen? We're just meant to be light so people can realize where the dangers are. And the rest of that stuff's the same. Signals. We were talking the other day. We were down at uh, Holy Point. It was misty and we heard the foghorn and we watched the lighthouse and we thought, imagine living here. I wonder what I wonder what the neighbors would say if they lived next to a fog or never mind a church. And, and we explained to our friends, it's this light, it's to warn ships that it's dangerous. You and I, you see, I want us to shift away from this critical, pulling our noses up at a broken, damaged, challenged world where people are so messed up. Instead of criticizing them and pointing fingers at them, why don't we just shine a light so people can see, they can understand that their marriages can end up shipwrecked, that their lives can end up shipwrecked, can again, amen. So we're meant to be a sign, signifying something. We need to be a sign, a light is a sign pointing somewhere. We are here to point people to Jesus. We are here to not point them to ourselves or just to, we're here to point people. Can we start pointing people to Jesus, living wide open lives out there, helping people to see that we can point them to Jesus? I was at the airport one day, and I, was, I, I fly British Air. Long time. I upgraded years ago. And um, I saw this lady at SAA. She had a red jacket on. I think she's like a team leader or something. Years ago. And, and I saw her standing there. She looked, quite, she looked quite distraught. And I know why she wears a red jacket, because anyone who's got a problem, they take you to the lady with, you know what? Imagine doing a job where everybody complains. And I saw her standing there and I just thought, this woman, doesn't, she doesn't look happy. So being who I am, I walked over to her. I said, hi, ma'am, how are you? She said, I'm fine. I said, no, you're not. You look quite unhappy. What's up? She said, you know, this job is a terrible job. Everybody comes to me. All I ever deal with, she starts talking. All I ever deal with is complaints, 
horrible people, nasty people, as if I own the airways, as if it's my fault that this stuff's not working, and they just, they just spew it out on me, and I've got to be nice to them, I've got to smile, and I've just got to keep doing this. I said, what's your name? She said, Esther. Said, That's a nice Bible name, isn't it? She said, I'm a Christian. I said, Esther, how's your marriage? She started crying. She said, my marriage is in trouble. I said, I know why. Because you're, you're like a garbage can. You're like a dirt bin. Everybody's pouring their dirt and their garbage into you. And when you go open, you open your mouth, you know what comes out? Stench. Frustration. She says, exactly. My husband's freaked out at me. My kids are unhappy. I said, can I pray for you? She said, will you? I said, I want to pray for you. She said, where? I said, yeah. You won't close your eyes. I do it all the time. Tell people, don't close your eyes. We just talk. I'll pray. I prayed for her. She's crying. I'm just worried security is not watching this situation. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get arrested here at the airport for molesting a woman. And when I'm finished praying for her, she said, thank you so much. I said, would you like some advice after the prayer? She said, please, resign. Your marriage is worth more than this job. God will make a way. Way maker, miracle. Come on, I need an amen. Don't just sing it, believe it for goodness sake. You and I can point people to Jesus. You don't have to change the world. You can just change someone's life in close proximity. Can I get an amen? And lastly, in order to do that, you need to be switched on. So we need to be poured out and we need to be switched on. They came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, what's the most important, what is the most important commandment? He says it's very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You need to get switched on in order to get poured out. When you and I love God the way we should, we get switched on. And when we get switched on with Jesus, it's easy to get poured out to the world and we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. So how do we get switched on? I know that there are people sitting here, you struggle to have a quiet time. You struggle to pray in the morning because we think it's a big ritual and we've got to go through all these things that we don't have the time for. I want to give you a tip. When you wake up in the morning, you don't have to go, our loving and heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of, glorious name of our Lord and Savior. You say, I can't pray like that. You don't have to pray like that. You can just get up in the morning like I do. I get up in the morning and I say, morning, Jesus. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, do it. It'll never end there. A conversation will begin. You will have that conversation when you go to the kettle. You will have that conversation when you start switching the lights off. Just say good morning, Jesus, and find out how you get switched on. And today, you don't have to read a chapter at a time. There are so many simple apps. Simple apps, you can get a verse for the day. You can get your pastor on a, on a WhatsApp group sending you one verse. Imagine morning Jesus and one verse. How difficult is it to live a wide open life with just good morning Jesus and one verse for the day. Now I am flavor and I am color and I can go out there and make a difference in someone's life. Come on. We always make this thing so complex and complicated. And lastly, I want to close with this, the power of observation. Stop just looking where you are and see people, see situations, notice people. I noticed this young man with these broken jeans. Standing here. I said to him, What's, pay this guy some more money. When I was young, 
you, we, we, we did our best. We, we wouldn't go out with broken clothing. Now they pay more for broken clothing. And they even wear the label on the outside. But see people, notice people, see something about, you'll see sadness, you will see unhappy, you will see struggle, you will see trouble, and God will shake you. I pray with people on the street, in shops, at the airport. Not because I'm holy. And I was with Patricia at this hotel in Franschuk. We like going to Franschuk. I mean, we, we, we got Franschuk. We live here. We don't even go there. So we go there often. We like it. This is a place called uh, Quartier Le Beautiful, It's a French corner. Beautiful. We go in there for a little snack and, you know, something. And um, I see this guy. Look at him. He's freaked out. He's stressed. I say to Patricia, hang on, she says, mind your own business. I said, no, 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 this guy, he's, he's in trouble. So I say, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Just then one of the staff members come around the corner. He says, excuse me, sir, that's a statue. <laughs> Why would you put a statue like that in a hotel? I want to be salt to a statue if it's going to make a difference. Amen. May God help you, friends. Go mad. Make a difference. Be salt and light. Amen. Thank you, Jeff.